definitely had a lot to learn because the co-op is a very unique business model. You're really running a both a nonprofit and a for-profit business at the same time. It has its challenges. There's a lot of community engagement, which was something that I wasn't used to necessarily. There's answering to a board of directors, not something that I was used to doing. Policy governance was not really on our radar until about year four or five. Hi everyone, my name is Anastasia, still, and this is That's Rad, a podcast presented by the Littleton Food Co-op, still. I'm so excited to be here in your ear space sharing more about my favorite co-op of the Littleton, New Hampshire area. If you've been with us here since the beginning, you may have come to expect a certain way we do things here. I do my little speech in the beginning, you immediately fast forward past that nonsense to listen to our first guest, we do a product of the week segment, and then we have another guest. Well today, things are going to sound a little different. Now, I like to think of myself as kind of a co-op celebrity, NBD, autographs are accepted, Um, but I brought in the actual co-op superstar for this episode. That's right, it's Ed King, general manager of the Littleton Food Co-op. Being that the general manager has such an influential hand in basically every topic we've discussed so far in this podcast, and probably every topic we'll cover going forward, I wanted to give Ed as much airtime as possible. You may also notice a difference in the sound from previous episodes. I leveled up from my normal recording space and gained access to Ed's secret lair, I mean office. Office. If we're being really honest, it's not even a secret. It's just all the way at the end of the hall, and usually I'm just too lazy to walk all the way down there. When I asked Ed about what he wanted our episode to cover, I thought for sure he would agree with me that the only logical thing was to do a full review of which 90s boy band song best matched the essence of everything in the produce department. Uh, Believe it or not, he was not game for that. Still kind of confused on that, but... Um, Anyways, he thought continuing our series on the cooperative principles, specifically talking about principles 2, 3, and 6, would be better. And to that, I said, I'll do it, but I still stand by the fact that I want it that way, by the Backstreet Boys, matches sweet corn perfectly. With that, I'll leave you with your latest episode of That's Rad. everyone so we are now joined by mr ed king general manager of the littleton food co-op ed thank you so much for coming on the podcast and for being here today well thanks for finally inviting me <laughs> listen you're you're a busy man i'm a busy woman the world is in a state of of something yeah and we've got stuff going on yeah stuff is stuff is happening so we're here now, and that's, that's all that matters, right? Right. Thanks very much. Okay. <laughs> so, you've been with the Littleton Food Co-op since 
pretty much the beginning in 2009. What was your experience with co-ops before that? I really didn't have much. Um, when I went to high school uh, in Hanover, I was right across the street from the Hanover Co-op. So oftentimes we'd sneak across the street and hit the Hanover Co-op and was always intrigued by their product mix. It was definitely different from other stores. Um, and honestly, I, I know a lot of people that have worked there over the years and still work there. So have have, have those current connections still. Any of the people who were part of that high school group just, just stay there? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's mostly, mostly the workers at the co-op. I mean, grocery people just bounce around from place to place. And, and co-ops are probably the best grocery store to work at, so there's a lot of them that migrated to the co-op in the Upper Valley there, and a great group of people there. I'm kind of offended you use the word probably. Like, I, I, I think it is the best kind of grocery store to work it, for. It probably, it definitely is. It's, <laughs> there's, you know, it's not Maui, but it's definitely in the top okay. 10. Yeah. You, you do have a point there. So you obviously spend a lot of time with co-ops and with being our GM, general manager. What do you do when you're not doing that? Well, um, I've had some health issues, so I'm slowing down a little bit. I still like to golf. Um, hopefully I can get back out in the kayak this summer. Hopefully I can do some light hiking, which is always fun. I have five grandkids now. That's always fun to play with the grandkids. That really fills up my my time quite a bit. I'm from a big family. I'm the oldest of eight kids, so there's there's tons of relatives to visit and and keep in touch with. Like like to read sitting out on my deck of my log cabin on a nice quiet summer day, so that that's also relaxing for me. No wonder we haven't been able to chat. You I think you have a lot more going on than I do. Well, uh, Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just going to jump in and say that kind of the basic of what we're going to talk today about is principle number two of the co-op principles, which is democratic member control. So before we go into like the technicalities, like the actualities of that, what do those three words mean to you? It really, it really means that not only do you own the store, but you control the store. The, before there was even a store, there was a group of people that came together. Much I, I equate it to the Declaration of Independence. They declared that they wanted a food co-op in Littleton. The country didn't exist in 1775, and the co-op <laughs> didn't exist in 1995. But people came together and made it happen. And when you create something, you want to kind of maintain that something you want to keep the keep the energy uh, keep the organization moving forward and it's, so it's very important that we maintain this democratic control um, it was a group of people that had a great idea uh, 13 14 15 years ago that really made the co-op happen and we're kind of just building upon what they started in and that's what democracy is, is basically building on what the people before you created. And, uh, and I think we've created something we, we have a right to be proud of here at the co-op. And it's very important that we keep the effort going to make sure that we can be the best that we can be 
without so- sounding like an army commercial. <laughs> and I, I think that's such an integral part of it that, that the, there were people before there was a store. There will be people, not that we hope there's ever going to be an after store part, but the people are at the core of it and they always have been and they always will be. So, yeah, the basic idea is really just that a co-op is a democratic organization controlled by its members who in turn elect representatives from among themselves to make decisions on their behalf. The representatives hire the general manager who hires the managers and then so on down the line. So then in this organizational chart, everyone is accountable to the members, including you. So how does that impact your job? (laughs) Well, I'll be honest with you. We have great um, membership here. We get a lot of input and that input really makes this store better. I think we're the store that the people of Littleton and the people in the region wanted. I mean, what was missing? What, what they couldn't get these certain cheeses, they couldn't get organic dog food. There's, we, we are really filling a need that other stores don't fill. So it, that really comes from the membership itself. The same with the board of directors. I mean, we actually have an org chart that has members on the top. And the board of directors is underneath that, and they, and they hired me. So I feel very lucky to have this job. I've been here since the beginning, but I wasn't the first GM. So, so the membership hires the, hires the board, and the board hires me. So I really have nine bosses. <laughs> and in, in essence, I have 7,000 bosses. <laughs> But uh, they really hire the, the board of directors, and the board of directors gives me direction. They set the goals for the co-op. Um, and the board really only has one employee, and that is me. So they're not bossing around the meat manager. They're not bossing around the deli manager. The board is really works through me to manage the store. And that's what makes it much simpler for both me and the produce manager and the meat manager. <laughs> So they don't have nine bosses. So I think that's a, it's called policy governance. It's really a very um, specific form of governance. And it, it really eliminates the confusion of having really a disjointed org chart. I was going to say, I, I feel like there should be the disclaimer of like democratic member control is like obviously very important but as you're saying it doesn't necessarily mean that you you or you can go to anyone who works here and like directly be the boss of them you can politely ask them questions and give your input to them but but there is the chart of the way of which things work too well the customer is always the boss and, and we do special orders for, for customers all the time. We not, might not carry that item on the shelf, but if we can get an item, we can special order it for that customer. So we try to be responsive to all of our uh, customers and members. It's a very important part of uh, our success is, is that great customer service. And uh, I think everybody, all 100 employees here, work very hard to make sure that happens. Okay, so you're the boss in some way 
the the members, the boss, in in some ways, but maybe not every way. Can we say that? You can say that. Okay. And it, it, as a as a member, you're always welcome to come to our board meetings and, and give input directly to our board. If you think there's something systemic that's not uh, not happening the way you like, and you're not getting response from the, the our team here, first of all, reach out to me directly at eking at littletoncoop.org. Uh, or secondly, you can talk to the board of directors and show up at a board meeting or sign into our Zoom meeting every month. Try and keep that information available to our membership. So let's talk about that a little more. So what exactly do members have a say in? Do they have control over? Well, like I said, when they vote every year, that's really how they control. I think it'd be great if you found one member of the board where you have a connection with. I mean, we have a very diverse board of directors and you very likely know one of them. I mean, they're community members, they're very active in and outside the co-op. So feel free to look to our board of directors, find somebody you know, or maybe somebody you'd like to know and uh, make that connection so you can have that input with somebody that you know about what's going on at the co-op. So as you mentioned earlier, policy governance is a very specific thing and it's, it's not something one necessarily is born knowing, I, I think. So then, do you remember like when you were approached to become the GM by the board? And like, what did that look like? Was, was this structure, this org chart, something you immediately understood, or? Well, um, I, I'll talk about how I was hired, first of all. I wasn't the first GM. Our first GM's name was uh, Bob Hayes. He was a friend of mine. We had worked together in the West Lebanon area. And um, like I said, good friend of mine. I moved up here before he did, and he moved up here to work at Butson's at one point. And then he worked at the Hanover Co-op for years, and he was uh, hired as our first GM uh, before we opened. And one of the first things he did is he came over to Shaw's while I was working at Shaw's and walked directly up to me and said, Ed, when you come into the co-op? <laughs> and I said, whenever you want, Bob, whenever you want. And I was so happy to get out of corporate grocery at that point in my life. It was really the, one of the best decisions I've ever made. So that's how I was hired. Um, Bob Hayes was close to retirement, and he uh, had really signed on to the co-op only for about a year and a half. So about a year after we opened, he retired. Jen Cusick, who was a financial expert, was our, the next GM, and she really helped get the co-op finances in order. I mean, we struggled at the beginning, I'll be honest. 2009 we were going through a, a deep economic uh, recession and it was tough going the first year at the co-op. She really got us on decent footing and when she left I was the name of the GM. Um, the board of directors obviously made that decision. I definitely wanted the job. I felt I was uh, well equipped to take over. Um, definitely had a lot to learn because the co-op is a very unique business model. You're really running a both a nonprofit and a for-profit business at the same time. It has its challenges. There's a lot of 
community engagement, which was something that I wasn't used to necessarily. There's answering to a board of directors, not something that I was used to doing. Policy governance was not really on our radar until about year four or five of the co-op's existence. And a company called Columinate, which does consulting with co-ops all across the country, is the one that recommended policy governance to the co-op. We basically had a board retreat where we sat down and developed our governance plan, something a lot more specific and a lot more documented than the governance that we were using before. So that's something that's evolved over the years, but it's something that's common with co-ops throughout the country. Um, this company, Columinate, a group of consultants, which is also a co-op, uh, still works with us to this day, um, guiding our board of directors and the board of directors and GM relationship and uh, helping us to succeed here on a governance level, on a community level, on on really maintaining all of our cooperative principles. So it's been great working with them. They've really kept the relationship between me and our board vibrant and, and cohesive. So I think that's an important piece of the puzzle. So on this community, on this governance level, do you think there was a time in the past, what has it been, 11, 12 years that you felt like you were like, okay, I feel like I know, I understand all of this, or is it still an evolving mass of knowledge? I think I, think I understand it. I, I think, um, and I, I kind of have to be that institutional knowledge because we do have new board members every year. So whenever we do our board orientation, I usually take the lead in that. Sitting down, kind of explaining what board governance is, um, going through our systems, talk about our history and talk about our you know five-year plan. Where where do I see the co-op going, and things of that nature. So, it's it was a huge learning process for me, but like you say, 12 years in, I feel like I've got gained a uh, a great deal of knowledge over the years. I actually do a lot of mentoring with other co-ops, and they come to me for for help uh, starting their own co-ops in their own communities. But going back to the board, something that I, I don't know, I'm interested to know. So our board is so diverse and board members hold their seats for three years. So do you ever, I don't know, take issue with the fact or or does it not sit right that depending on the time of year, what year it is, you could be held responsible to people who have been at the co-op, on the board for such a small fraction of the time that you've been around? I think, I think um, our board has been great. I, I'll be honest with you. I haven't had a lot of friction with the board, and if I have any friction with the board, it's usually a minority piece of the board. Um, one thing about the board dynamics is there's a uh, something called holism, and the, really the board is designed to speak with one voice. And whatever the majority decides is the decision, and even those that might disagree have to accept that decision. Mm -hmm. So a lot of um, 
a lot of the decisions that are made are based on my recommendations. Um, and for the most part, they take my recommendations. I, I've had disagreements that, you know, were definitely board-driven uh, decisions. Um, paying a living wage. I didn't think we could afford necessarily to pay a living wage uh, as soon as we did. But the board said, nope, we want this to happen in two or three years, and we made it happen. You know, there was a little red ink along the way, you know, which always makes me nervous. But the board was serious about paying a living wage to all of our employees. So we made that decision and I lived with it. And I think too, it's, I think it's something in this relationship, like all relationships, a disagreement doesn't mean anyone is doing a bad job. It's just a natural result of having this diversity we talked about and having these different opinions that make the board so great, but also just, again, naturally make it sometimes hard to make a decision and to fully 100% agree on things. Yeah, sometimes doing the right thing is hard. Sometimes it's easy not to do the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> so in, in that sense, I completely understand their decision in that point. I supported it as a concept. I just, we just had a disagreement on the timing, but it all worked out in the end. And in part because of our uh, growth. We've had incredible growth here at the co-op. Uh, the expansion certainly helped, but even before the expansion, we had dynamic growth in the co-op, and that really helped to make this organization strong financially, which it remains so today. So another big part of principle two, democratic member control, is this whole idea of one membership, one vote. Can you A, explain that, just if no one's ever heard it phrased like that, and then also talk about why it's important that we're structured like that? Well, it's the basic democratic principle, one person, one vote, only it's one member, one vote. The only challenge happens really when a, a husband and wife can't agree. <laughs> And which happens from time to time, and they both vote, which also happens from time to time. So, um, so that is a challenge sometimes because we have household memberships, but they only have one vote. Um, but, I mean, one person, one vote, or one member, one vote is one of the kind of very basic tenets of democracy, and we certainly want to live by that. So maybe, pro tip, schedule your next counseling session like right before a cooperative vote, so uh, just so we don't have to deal with that. My answer is to buy another membership. That too. <laughs> I guess maybe it depends on which one is less expensive at the moment. I, I think the membership's cheaper than counseling. I think so too. It's been said that principle two, democratic member control, and one member one vote is the most important principle in organizing co-ops. Do you agree with that? I agree with it in the sense that, first of all, democracy is, is a stalwart of our society. So I, I think that's very important. I also think that there's a move away from corporate America where people more and more don't feel that they have a voice. Here at the co-op you have a voice. You can run for a board membership and really have an impact on this organization or you can talk to your board member where they're going to listen to you 
and they'll bring that up at the next board meeting. So we're very responsive in that sense. Um, democracy is something that America is all about, and I just like to see that uh, in living proof here at the co-op every day. It very much is. But Democratic member control looks a little different in what we call the secondary co-ops. Um, you may remember some of the acronyms like NCG, NFCA, from our previous episode on Principle 6, Cooperation Among Cooperatives. As GM, you're often the one serving as our liaison, representative, whatever you want to call it, in these secondary co-ops. Tell us a little bit about your experience with that. Well, I've been involved um, with NCG, NFCA, and other co-ops in their governance. I served on the advocacy committee for NCG where we decided what, what kind of food issues do we care about? What kind of food issues are we gonna uh, address at the legislative level? Um, what kind of products or that are we gonna carry or not carry or support at the NCG level. So these are all decisions that are made very democratically in a committee, and I was elected to this position. Um, NFCA, I was vice president, uh, one of the first vice presidents of that organization, and really built that organization into a, a great peer-to-peer -peer resource for the co-ops here in New England. And, and I felt that was the, where the value of that organization was, in the peer-to-peer -peer relationships. We needed to develop best practices in co-ops throughout New England if they were gonna survive in this environment. Um, so I try to put my Littleton hat on whenever I'm sitting in on one of these meetings. How is this gonna impact Littleton? And for the most part, how it impacts Littleton or New Hampshire or the Northeast is the same way uh, across the board. So I. I don't feel that I, I'm representing a different, uh, a different group of people. Littleton is, I think, very progressive in how it views the world, especially our membership. And it's important that I just, oftentimes I go with my, <laughs> you've got to have your own common sense. You have to apply your common sense to this decision making. And, and when you're working on big picture topics, like gluten-free labeling, um, things like that of that nature. Those are important decisions that I think have been taken out of the hands of the people because 90% of people wanted gluten-free labeling. And the, the, the big corporations were fighting it, fighting it over and over again. Um, but we lobbied heavily for that. And today you can find some gluten-free labeling. It's not the best result, but QR codes are a thing of the, 2020s and it's it's one way for the uh, consumer to really track how their food is made and manufactured and, and keeps in some ways solves the problem of the gluten-free issue and that all of that that's something I don't know as a non-gluten-free person I think of it as a pretty obvious and common thing but clearly you're saying it's it's not, and that, and a huge part of it came from the work of co-ops and, and affected non-co-ops and non-members as well. Yeah, it, it was definitely crossed just the co-op barrier. I mean, this was, like I said, 80 to 90% of consumers 
wanted to have that labeling. I mean, truth and labeling is something that was fought for in the 70s by co-ops of that generation. And uh, this is just an, an extension of uh, truth and labeling that I think is a common sense value. Yeah. So another part of principle six is not just receiving help, but providing it as well. So clearly we've seen that with your participa participation in NCG, NFCA, these larger organizations, but going to kind of the other side of things and talking about startup co-ops. So what are some co-op names that people might recognize that have been helped by you or the Littleton Food Co-op in some other capacity? And I know you also mentioned being approached for help, but do you ever go? I don't. I don't proactively go out yeah. uh, looking to help somebody. I think it's important that I be asked, and, and oftentimes I'm referred to by uh, another co-op, whether it's Hanover or Hunger Mountain or the NFCA. They'll, they'll say, well, Ed's in your region. You should talk to Ed. <laughs> and uh, so I'm working with the Androscoggin Food Co-op, not as much as I used to, but they're, they're at a point where they're really operating well in developing their governance, developing their bylaws, as well as the Caledonia Co-op, same thing. They're really going great gangbusters in developing a co-op. Um, both communities uh, looked at Littleton and said, wow, we really could use a Littleton Co-op in our, our town. And um, I've been a resource for them on, on a number of fronts, putting them in touch with people at the national level, people on the regional level, that can help them make decisions um, or just sitting down and, and working with them directly on some common sense language, uh, things of that nature. So that they're both uh, operating well independently. Um, another co-op I'm working with is the Dorchester Co-op in Massachusetts. They have a building that's broken ground this past week and uh, they're excited about it and they're working on the layout and that's something that you know i have some experience in having uh, been in the grocery industry for 44 years now <laughs> um way too long but they uh they were referred to me by the nfca they were looking for a gm to mentor them uh before they hired their gm so for the last several months i've been working with them on decisions like their layout when should they hire their GM? When should they have their governance? Which, and sometimes the answer is three months ago. <laughs> but um, working with them directly with somebody that from a co-op that understands co-op governance, understands uh, the co-op grocery business is hugely valuable to them. And they don't have the expense of hiring a GM three to six months before they really need one. Mm -hmm. So they're looking to hire a GM this summer. And again, uh, I'll be sitting in on that process through Zoom and, and weighing in with my opinion. So I think helping their, in their decision-making along the way. Right now, I'm working mostly with their architect, but I've worked one-on-one -on -one with their board of directors. And it's rewarding work because there's a lot of energy in the startup world. The people are excited. And I remember when people were really excited about the Littleton Food Co-op before it opened. I mean, this town was ready for a co-op. The towns I'm working with now are ready for a co-op. And there's a certain amount of excitement that comes with that. And it's really rewarding work. 
Do you think the excitement diminishes or changes or <laughs> it, is it still there as if it was 2009? It's still, it's still there. It does change. There does become a day-to-day business. Um, the grocery business is, uh, you know, there's a lot of hard work in the grocery business. But we're at the point now in the Littleton Co-op where our growth has reached a point where we have the resources to do some fun things uh, like the soil series we're doing online. Um, we bring entertainment to the co-op. We have educational pieces that are really important uh, to the community. Working with uh, other nonprofits and food security, things of that nature. So a lot of big picture work that you know, we probably didn't do for the first five years of our existence because we didn't have the time and resources to spend on that. Now that we're a more mature organization, uh, you know, doing a lot more business and have 100 employees, um, I'm really uh, afforded the time to spend uh, and invest in big picture items like that. So it's always fun to do things like that. Even I, I even enjoy the occasional Zoom meeting talking about that. <laughs> But there, there is a, a Zoom limit. There's. Yeah, I think a lot of us are Zoomed out. Looking forward to the in-person connections. Um, I, I, I think it's been difficult for everybody. Uh, uh, but, I mean, getting together with the other co-op GMs across the country and we get together twice a year was some of the highlights of my year every year. And it's been 18 months since we've been together in person. So... Uh, Look forward to getting together sometime soon, maybe maybe later this year, maybe not, we'll see. But yeah, I think like many people, I'm zoomed out. <laughs> I, think, I think in general the world is, but I think a lot of co-op customers, members specifically can relate to that because um, either people have limited their shopping in the store, they have been using curbside services, and it's one thing to miss, I, I, I feel like in general, people don't really miss going to the grocery store, but they miss coming to the co-op because it, it is, and it was a community space and a community based place where even just seeing your, your neighbors or seeing the people you always talk to when you're at the co-op, like, well, our customers have been great over throughout COVID here, whether it's mask wearing or it's, uh, it's getting in and out or shopping alone. Uh, but I do think that they really miss the socialization that happened in our aisles. Yeah. I mean, you can walk through the co-op uh, pre-COVID and see 10 or 12 conversations with people just catching up with each other. There's a very social aspect of shopping at the co-op, and I think for the most part, that's disappeared for now, and I think we all can't wait till that comes back. Getting out of the sadness right now, is there anything else you think people should know about cooperative governance and specifically how it pertains to Littleton Food Co-op? Well, first of all, I invite everybody to serve on the board at some point. I certainly um, think about that. Every, every April or May we have our elections and it's a fun time. I think from all the ex-board members I've talked to, after they leave they miss it. They miss this, the social aspect, they miss uh, 
the fun that happens here and um, to be part of a, a success story like this is is not something people get to enjoy necessarily uh, in their in the rest of their lives so I think it would be great for people to consider that uh, in the long term but co-ops are a growing piece of the economy throughout the economy I mean there's especially in agriculture the, the number of cooperatively sourced products that we have is just incredible. I mean, co-ops thrive in the Midwest where farmers counted on co-ops for seeds, they counted on co-ops for tractors, they counted on co-ops for fuel, they counted on co-ops for, for mills and, and, and grain storage, things like that. Very important part of the agricultural community. And that remains today, you know, Land O'Lakes, Ocean Spray, Florida's Natural, Equal Exchange, all these co-ops that exist in the on our shelves here at the co-op. Very important part of our business, and it's co-ops, support co-ops. You went through P6. You probably already had this conversation, so I won't be too redundant here, but I think it's an important fabric of, of this country that co-ops are here in the in the food system, and specifically here at the food co-op level, a very important part of our region. Um, switching gears a little bit, I know you want to talk about another principle, which is principle three, members' economic participation. And I understand that's a, a pretty relevant topic this year. Do you want to share more about that? Absolutely. It, it's, uh, we've had a very successful 2020, and as we head into 2021 here, we're looking back and it was a struggle uh, with COVID and everything that went with that, but there was great support in the community. Sales were through the roof. We really experienced, you know, a 20% plus gain, and that's really shown up in our financials, and, which has allowed us to do a couple of things. First of all, we're going to pay off our member loans early. Now, member loans are an important part of our expansion, and we were supposed to pay them off in 2022. We have the resources to pay them off early, so we're going to do that. So that, that's one exciting piece of news. The other is our patronage rebate. Um, we've paid the patronage rebate, which is basically returning our profits to our membership a few times over the years. Uh, this time we're paying by far our biggest, biggest patronage rebate in 2021. So later this year, um, expect, if you've been a shopper or a member, I should say, and a shopper, 3.6% of that will be returned to our membership. Half of it in a merchandise certificate and half of it as retained capital. Um, retained capital is an important piece of the co-op model. Basically, you're as an owner are reinvesting half of that profit back into the business. And it's an important part of our growth to have that capital available to us and it's an important part of co-ops in general. So, so look in your mailbox in the coming months here for that uh, co-op patronage rebate amount. Um, I think you'll all be surprised uh, how big it is. I look forward to it myself because I spend <laughs> a lot of money here. Yeah. But uh, patronage rebates and member loans are two, two pieces of the cooperative puzzle that really uh, make make it work. The co-op wouldn't exist without member loans, first of all. And you probably wouldn't shop here unless you knew you were getting some of it back. So 
we look forward to paying that and uh, and congratulations to everybody. Your stores had a great year. Yeah, and I think that's a great example with the retained capital of how principle three is an ongoing thing. You know, I personally, it's easy for me to just think of economic participation like, oh, you pay your mem for your membership when you initially buy it, but it's it's not just a single transaction, it's for the entire time that you're a member. Yeah, as a business, um, you're either growing or you're shrinking. There's no in-between. A lot of people think, oh, you know, just return all of the capital back to the membership. And, um, you know, that would be maybe penny-wise, dollar-foolish, is that the right term? I mean, <laughs> it's important that we keep growing as an organization. Um, we don't want to stagnate. We want to be the best call we can be going into the future, and that requires investment. I think it's also a great example of why it pays, literally, to tell your cashier your member number. <laughs> I feel like so many times people are like, oh, it's not a designated discount day, so I'm not going to bother to give it to you. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Remember back in 2021? You could have gotten a piece of that puzzle, but yeah, it's, you didn't. <laughs> it's, it's an important piece. And, and it's, it was a common question early on. I mean, for the first three years, we lost hundreds of thousands of dollars, um, it, just the nature of a startup. And um, people were asking, well, when am I getting my patronage rebate? So it's nice to answer that question now and say, yep, you're getting a patronage rebate this year. And it's literally three to four times bigger than it ever has been before. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited now too. <laughs> I'm just gonna like go home, like sit and wait till it comes out. Um, but in the meantime, thank you so much for your time today, I'm sure. I know I found this really interesting, actually interesting. We were having this conversation before about how I usually do phone interviews, but now we're in the same place. And I was like, oh, I have to remember how to look interested. I don't think I had to pretend at all. Um, I hope it showed up under the mask, but thank you again. Well, thanks very much. You had great questions and um, good luck on your next podcast. Oh, thank you. I do it all for the compliments. I know it always sounds like I'm faking it when I'm thanking people, but I really did find my conversation with Ed interesting. He's not even standing in front of me with cue cards of what to say or anything. He is, uh, I, need you, I need you to flip to the next, I need you to flip to the next card. Next card, next card, Ed. He is really great. Insert Gen Z slang here. Just kidding. In all seriousness, what we talked about today are some of the fundamental puzzle pieces to creating a whole operating co-op, and I was honored to talk with someone who knows these co-op principles so well. Thank you again to Ed King, and thank you to all of you. What did you think of this single interview format for the episode? Do you also reject my 90s boy band song vegetable persona idea and have a much better idea for what you want to talk about on the show? Do you have a 90s boy band song vegetable persona and more that you want to come on the show to talk about? Let me know. You can send an email to marketing at littletoncoop.org or send us a DM on social media. 
You can also let us know how we're doing by leaving us a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening to. And be the first to know what's happening with That's Rad by hitting that big subscribe button. But until next time, all I really need you to do is eat, sleep, and be rad. That's Rad is a production of the Littleton Food Co-op. Anastasia Marr directs and hosts. Jesse Smith and Annie Stewart produce. Becky Colpitz provides unrelenting positivity and moral support. The Littleton Food Co-op is Littleton, New Hampshire's community-owned grocery store. We put our money where your mouth wants to be. Local farms, of course. No membership is required to shop here. Come check us out sometime just off exit 41 at 43 Bethlehem Road in Littleton. Or if you're online, check us out at littletoncoop.com.